Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Face Yoga Expert podcast. So it's going to be a really short one today and it's going to be a personal one. And it's a bit of a funny story, but there is a moral to the story I'm going to tell to you guys today. So let me take it right back to the beginning. In fact, let me tell you what the story is going to be about. It's going to be about my driving. So as I said, let's go back to the beginning and I can give you a little bit of context on all this. Then I can get into the main story and then tell you a little bit about what I've learned. And the reason I'm going to be doing this is because I actually shared this on my Instagram stories over the weekend and I was blown away by how many of you reached out to me and said that you have exactly the same fear, limiting beliefs and how my story has helped you so much. So I thought if I do a short podcast episode on this, then hopefully it will help some of you listening to the podcast. So I passed my driving test when I was pregnant with Lucia. So I never really wanted to drive. I did a few driving lessons when I was 18, didn't really get into it, didn't really enjoy it. And then I left Plymouth where I grew up and I moved to Bath for university. And as a student, I just didn't have the money to do more driving lessons. And I had no inclination really, because I knew that I wouldn't be able to afford a car where I was living firstly on campus and then my student house in my second and third years. There wasn't any parking. So there was nothing really motivating me to drive. Plus, I've never been somebody that's been particularly into cars or I wasn't one of those teenagers that was really excited to start driving. Then I left university and then many of you know my story of getting chronic illness. I got ME. I was very, very unwell. And of course, I wouldn't have been able to drive during that time anyway, because a lot of that time I was very much housebound and bedridden. And then as I recovered, again, I know that so many of you know this story, how I then set up my business, started teaching yoga, relaxation, and then face yoga. Now, a lot of my early work that I was doing was very much around Bath in the city where I live. So I was going to teach relaxation classes, yoga classes. I was doing wellness coaching. I was hiring venues for this. I was going to people's houses if it was one-to-one. And then as time moved on, then when we bought our first house, so we moved from the flat that we were renting, we bought our first house, we used one of the rooms there as a studio. So in that studio, I used to have people come. I either did it one-to-one or one-to-two. And actually, I did my first few years of face yoga teacher training in there as well. So I used to have groups of six people come from all over the world. I mean, as I look back now, I think, wow, you know, I had people coming from America, from Japan, even someone as far as Australia. So they came to my little house, to my little studio and trained with me there. So I was pretty much still walking distance from town. So if I was teaching any classes in the centre of town, I would just very easily walk to them. Then when I moved into that house, I had that studio. So I was very much focused on being in that location. And of course, I was doing a lot of my 
face yoga teaching in other places around the world and around the country. So I used to go to London and teach face yoga one-to-one in Harley Street. I also went to various other places to speak at events, um, trade shows. I used to travel. So I would go to, as many of you know, one of my favourite places, the Maldives. I did two one-month stints there as a visiting practitioner, teaching face yoga and yoga. Um, I went to Greece. I went to, gosh, Thailand, New York, so many different places. Obviously, this is prior to having children. I had much more flexibility to travel around. And I wasn't doing so much online then because the online space wasn't as it was now. So I was either travelling or I was very much focused in where I was in Bath. Now, again, I didn't really need to drive. It was pretty easy. I could either walk to a location or I was working from home. But then Bruce and I decided we'd start trying for a baby. So I actually booked a driving lesson and thought, okay, so it's fair enough me walking 20 minutes, half an hour to go and teach a face yoga class or do a wellness workshop. But actually, if I've got a baby, I need to be able to go out and about. I need to go around the outskirts of Bath. Um, I need to be able to, you know, when they're a little bit older, drop them to nursery and then preschool and then school. So I booked my first driving lesson and I fell pregnant very quickly with Lucia. So I pretty much did all my driving lessons whilst I was pregnant. So I believe I did about 25 driving lessons and it was getting closer and closer to the time when I was about to have Lucia and my belly was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And she was an £8.13 baby. So she was a big baby, not as big as Lilia actually, as a little side note there. She was £9.10, so she was even bigger. But my belly was expanding closer and closer to the steering wheel. So I said to my instructor, who was lovely, by the way, she was, I think she was about 23, 24. She was a female instructor and we just got on so well. She was so down to earth and she was so different from other driving instructors I'd come across before, which were often middle-aged and male. And I just really wanted someone that I could just connect with. And I really wanted a female. I really wanted to feel super comfortable in the car. So it was a perfect choice getting her. And actually, funnily enough, the way that I found her, I don't know if you remember Groupon. So Groupon is probably still around, but you used to get daily deals. And there were deals to have a little taster of driving lessons. So you could get three driving lessons for a really cheap price. And I actually bought three with her and I bought three with another instructor. And for whatever reason, I contacted her first and I actually said, look, I've got these three driving lessons. Can I do my taster with you? I don't know if I'm going to carry on. I've booked with this other guy as well and I might do the lessons with him. And she made me laugh because she said, I'm pretty confident you're going to stay with me. And I remember just thinking, oh my goodness, she's got a lot of confidence, but I really like it. So I went and did my three driving lessons with her and intuitively it just felt so right. And she was so right as well. I didn't even go and have my three tasters with that other guy. I actually stuck with her. And I remember saying to her when I was getting closer and closer to having Lucia, look, I need to just take my test before I have the baby. Because after I have the baby, there is no way I'm going to be having additional lessons, having a test. I'm going to be sleep deprived. I'm going to be super busy. I know I won't be in the headspace. And potentially I could undo these 25 hours of lessons that we've just had. So she said, do you know what? I think you're ready. So I was eight months pregnant. And I thought, okay, 
if I fail, it's okay. I reckon I've got another few weeks before she comes that I could do a second test if I needed to. So I took my test. Funnily enough, the actual driving examiner, she was a female too, and she just had a baby herself and she was lovely. And again, I hear all these stories of driving examiners who are super strict and people often feel really nervous and really scared, but she just put me at ease straight away. And actually all the way during my driving test, we were chatting about babies, which was so lovely. And I remember at one point she actually got distracted and told me to go down the wrong road. So I had to do this extra sort of U-turn to come back up the road. So that was quite a humorous moment. And I remember also we were on a big roundabout, which was just between sort of Bath and Bristol. So Bristol's a city quite close to Bath where I live, if you don't know the UK very well. And I went round the roundabout and I was convinced I got in the wrong lane. And I kept saying to her, oh my goodness, I failed. Oh my goodness, I can't believe I did that. I failed. And she just said to me, Danielle, you haven't failed. Don't worry. So she really put me at ease and she didn't need to say that. And that was lovely. And the good news is, is I actually passed my driving test first time. I wouldn't call myself a natural driver by any means. But what I did do is I did loads of the inner work. So as well as doing loads and loads of revision, obviously for the theory test, which again, I passed first time, but for the practical test as well, I just studied and studied and studied. I also did more visualization and manifestation than I think I've ever done for anything. So I literally was visualizing myself passing the test. I was visualizing myself going through the whole test. I was doing affirmations about it. I was working through limiting beliefs that I had. I did so much inner work. And I honestly think that's why I passed because I did that inner work but I also studied hard as well. So I did both. Anyhow, I passed my test and then I had Lucia and it was super helpful because I was able to drive around. In fact, there's a little side note to that story. The only time, touch wood, that I have ever had any sort of crash or anything like that was quite soon after I'd had Lucia and thank goodness she wasn't in the car but I was so sleep deprived and it must have been maybe three or four months after she was born. And I was booked to do a face yoga session for a WI, so a Women's Institute. So again, if you're not from the UK, that's like a group of women. They're usually either middle-aged or retired and they have a speaker come once a month and they had booked me to come and speak on face yoga. And I was meant to be driving about 20 minutes to the outskirts of Bath. And I stopped off to get something and I can't remember what it was. In fact, I do know what it was. I'm just thinking now. I stopped off to get some change from co-op. So I was selling my, gosh, it must have been DVDs and wall charts back then, actually. So I had those to have afterwards because often when I've done a face yoga presentation, people want to purchase something so they can take away afterwards. So I knew knew I needed some change because again, back then people didn't do the, the card that much. You know, we're going back 11 years ago now. So it was much more sort of casual and people were loving a DVD and a poster bag then. (laughs) So I went into co-op and then I, it's on quite a a sort of a hill, the car parking co-op. And I actually reversed and rather than putting my brake, so I was reversing down a hill, rather than putting the brake on the car, I put my foot on the accelerator 
and I crashed into the car that was behind me, which was stationary and luckily had nobody in it. And I wrote off their car. That car went into the barrier on the other side and completely sort of broke up that barrier. And my car was pretty much unscathed, which is unbelievable. And I remember the lady came out. This is another example of an amazing female. There's a bit of a theme with this actually, isn't there, of amazing females. The lady came out and she went, oh my goodness, that's my car. And I just burst into tears. I was sleep deprived. I was obviously hormonal postpartum. I was really distraught because I was obviously a very, very new driver. And I just burst into tears and I said, I am so so sorry. I really am. And do you know what she did? She gave me a hug. Honestly, it's going to make me cry thinking about it. She gave me a hug. Can you imagine when you write off somebody's car and they give you a hug? She was adorable. She was like an actual little angel. And she was so sweet. She was saying, don't worry, these things happen, you know, especially when you're a new mom. And she was so sweet about it. And luckily my insurance covered it and she was able to get her car. Well, I don't think she actually got her car fixed, but she was able to get another car. So that worked out okay in the end, but I was so shaken up, so shaken up. Like my whole body went into this sort of fight or flight response. It was a lot. And I remember calling Bruce and I was only a few minutes from our house and he just said, oh, Lucia and I will walk down and get you. So he put Lucia in the pram and he walked down and he got us and he just said, you've got to just go and lie down. You know, after a collision that big to the point where you've written off someone's car, you've got to lie down. So I had to call where I was going to go and speak and actually say, I'm so sorry, you know, I've had a car accident and I, and I can't come, which I hate letting people down, particularly then, because they would have already all been there. So that was horrible. Anyway, I got over that. And <laughs> since then, I have been driving. So I've been driving all around Bath. I've been driving sometimes the outskirts of Bath, but that's pretty much it. Rarely drive on a motorway. The only times I've driven on a motorway is if Bruce has been really tired and we'd be driving all the way down to Devon. Maybe it was later at night and I would take over driving on the motorway for maybe 20 minutes or so just while he rests. But he was always in the car. So I really have not got used to driving far. And to be honest with you, I never use a sat-nav either because I don't need to everywhere I go, I know. So this weekend just gone, my friend who lives in the Cotswolds, so quite close to Oxford, said, would you like to come up for the weekend? And another good friend of ours did as well. And she's often said to me, what a nice drive it is from where she lives down to Bath. She's done it many times. She came to visit me for lunch a couple of weeks ago. And she said, Dan, you must try and do it. In fact, they call me Dan. That's quite a, a funny little point that I just said there. So I'll quickly tell you about that. So my husband, Bruce, when I first met him, so we were only 16 and 17 when we met, um, he said to me, can I call you Dan? And I always laugh at him because he always wants to shorten everyone's name down. And he said, rather than Danielle, can I call you Dan? And I was like, oh, okay then, thinking it'd just be him. Since then, everyone that also knows Bruce calls me Dan. Do I like it? Probably not. Do I love it because it's so endearing? Because the only people that call me Dan are the people that know Bruce and I as a couple because they hear him say it to me and then they all call me Dan. So my friend said to me, you know, Dan, why don't you just try and drive? And I just kept saying to her, and she said this to me quite a few times, 
And I just kept saying to her, look, I don't know, because when I do get the chance to go away, it is my chance to rest and relax and have time for me. And I really don't have very much of that as a busy mom of two. And I know if I drive, I can't relax in the same way as I do on the train. You know, I can't read, I can't do a bit of work, I can't listen to a podcast, you know, I can't just have a nap if I want to, you know, I have to really be focused. And, you know, she said that's absolutely fair enough. But I looked up the trains for Saturday just gone and it said there's some partial strikes on. So I knew that the trains would be a little bit dodgy. And the train fare was £130 return, which seemed really very high for a train ticket. And I thought to myself, well, I've got an electric car, which barely costs anything to get to and from places, you know, because I'm not having to put petrol in it or anything. And I've got a lovely new car, very, very lovely. And I thought, you know, I've got a lovely new car. It's not going to cost me any money. And in many ways, it's going to be quicker. So it's going to be about an hour and 45, hour and 50 minutes. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to do it. So I told her that I'm going to do it. And she was like, you can do it. You can definitely do it. And my other friend was like, Dan, we believe in you. You can do it. So I was anxious, I must admit. So what I did is I put in where I was going to go on the sat-nav, built-in sat-nav on my car, got in the car and thought, right, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take it slowly. And I put on an audio book, which by the way, is one of the best books I have ever read or listened to. It's called 101 Essays to Change the Way You Think by Brianna Weist. Um, Weist is spelled W-I-E-S-T. So definitely recommend that you go and get that. So I put that on and I knew that I could sort of turn that on and off as I needed to, because if I needed to really concentrate on the sat-nav was saying, then that would be fine. Now, the first part of the journey, I'd say probably the first hour, I felt so anxious. I had to really focus on my breathing because I felt myself almost going into a bit of a panic. I was listening to the book and the book helped me so much because it's so much about really shifting your perception and changing the way you think. So that was really, really helpful. It was driving rain, so absolutely pouring, which probably wasn't the best when you are actually driving. But I knew that it was all A-roads, so it wasn't going to be any motorways. There's a few dual carriageways, but no sort of three-lane motorways. So I knew that I would be okay, but an hour into it, I took a little stop. I didn't even get out of the car because it was raining so bad. And I did a little Instagram story. So if you were following me on Instagram, you would have seen that. And then after that, the second sort of 50 minutes, just under an hour, was much better. It was much more relaxing. And the sense of achievement I felt when I got there was huge. I realised I'd been holding on to this fear. I'd been holding on to this limiting belief of driving A, long distance and B, somewhere I don't know for ages. And yes, I was exhausted. And actually, I'd woke up super early that morning because Lilia had woke me up early. That night I was there, I didn't sleep very well. And then the next day I knew I had to drive back home again. And <laughs> I didn't really feel as rested and revived as I would have hoped to from a weekend away. But the drive home was so much better. I relaxed into it. The sun was shining. I knew if I'd done it once, 
I can do it again. And again, I felt so proud of myself. Now, there's not many times in life I say I I feel really proud of myself. (laughs) Funnily enough, when I'm saying that, I'm thinking, gosh, I should say I'm proud of myself way more because there's loads of reasons I should be proud of myself. But in this instance, I really and truly felt it. And I was so glad that I had just put aside the fact that it was just thoughts in my head that were holding me back. And last week, um, Lucia, my eldest, she went on an adventure sort of like residential week with her school and they did things like abseiling and high wires. And she's often said to me, mum, I'm quite scared of heights. But she came back and she said, mum, I had a chat to myself in my head and I just said, go for it. And I had a go and I felt such an achievement when I did it. And I was so proud of her with that because she'd overcome a fear in a similar way to, to I had. But she actually asked me, she only asked me this about an hour or two before I drove. And she said, mum, what is fear? And I actually said to her, I think fear is our way of trying to keep us safe, but we actually want to do that thing. Because if we didn't feel the fear, we wouldn't want to do it. So something that you don't even want to do, you're not fearful about, there's some part of you that wants to do it, but the fear thinks it's keeping you safe. But I actually said to her, but I think that fear is lying to us. So if we just go ahead and do it anyway, and then show ourselves that we are safe, then this is a good thing. And I said, that's not the case in all circumstances. You know, it has to be something where you know it's a good situation and it's a positive situation and you've assessed all the risks around you. But I think that's what it is. And she said, yeah, I think I think so too. And I think an important thing to say with all of this as well is it was tiring. So one of my biggest fears about not doing it is I would feel more tired than I feel anyway. And at the moment, I do feel particularly tired and emotional, loads of things going on. And I'm definitely more tired and emotional than enough I've got the train. But I also feel that sense of pride, which is amazing. And it was super convenient driving. It was much quicker than the train. It was much cheaper than the train. Didn't matter how much stuff I took. I could just throw a load of dresses in the car and decide what I wanted to wear when I got there because actually it didn't really matter. I wasn't trying to pack so I could carry something. So it was good. And I think the the moral of the story is if there's something inside you that you know would be really good to do, or there's even a part of you that would like to do that thing, just try it. Because if I can do this and it's taken me all these years, I mean decades really, to get to this point, you can do the thing too. So I just want to leave you with that thought. And I just want to thank you as always, for listening to the Face Yoga Expert podcast and something which I would love, love, love you to do, particularly if you are a regular listener, is just to write a little review on the podcast. So particularly if you listen to this on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, if you just go to the top where the podcasts are, you go to all the episodes and you'll see it says Face Yoga Expert podcast and gives a description of the podcast. And there's a little area there where you can click five stars and you can just write a few lines. And that would mean so much because that just signifies 
to Apple and iTunes that this is a popular podcast and then it means it can reach more people. And also please do share the podcast on social media as well. So take a screenshot of it, um, take a picture of yourself listening to it or where you are, tag me in as well because I love to know when and where you're listening to the podcast. And I particularly would love to know if you have overcome any fear as well, or whether listening to this podcast episode has tempted you to do something which you know you've got a limiting belief about, but you feel like maybe now it's time to overcome that fear. Okay, my darlings, thank you so much. Lots and lots of love. And I will chat to you again next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Face Yoga Expert podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do rate and review it. Let me know when you listen to episodes, tag me in on Instagram at Face Yoga Expert. And don't forget to check out my website, faceyogaexpert.com, which has all the information about my teacher training, my two books, Danielle Collins Face Yoga and the Face Yoga Journal, my skincare range, Fusion by Danielle. Danielle Collins and all the other courses and offerings that I have. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.